Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for being here tonight. I'm actually quite, um, I'm always honored to be asked to share my story at, at meetings. Uh, sometimes I feel that my story is not all that different from many others, and then, and yet it is quite unique. So um, feel feel honored and blessed to be able to be here and share some of it with you tonight. Um, my name is Dee. I am recovering from compulsive eating and obesity. I have, um, I do have the, had had the burden of being a hundred pounds overweight. My top weight when I came into OA was somewhere over 210 pounds. I don't really know the exact number because as you can imagine, the scale was not my best friend in those days and I didn't get on it very often. Um, my, uh, when I, I've been in OA for 29 years, I've been maintaining my abstinence uh, for all of that time. After I was in OA for 13 months, I reached a goal weight of 110 pounds. So my weight release is 110 pounds that I've been maintaining. And uh, sometimes when I think about it back then, it's, it's hard to, to realize that I, I've been in OA for 29 years, consistently one day at a time coming back because this program is where I belong. It's a, it's a place that uh, I, I feel at home at. I don't necessarily have another home like this in other parts of my life, although I, I do have a, a full rich life that has been, you know, has become beyond my wildest dreams in many different ways since uh, recovery. So tonight I wanted to share with you, um, as we say in the beginning, disclose in a general way what it was like, what happened and what I'm like now. And so I'm gonna share um, a couple of pictures as I do that. Um, this is a picture of me, it's kind of hard to see, I guess. Oh, there we go. This is a picture of me when I was five years old. And um, I was born in San Francisco and grew up there until um, I was about five. And then my family moved to San Jose. And that's really where I grew up in San Jose and where I <clears throat> eventually went to college and got married. And um, then, you know, life changed after that. And, and San Jose was where I first went to OA meetings. Um, I, at the, I showed the, the picture of me at the age of five because that is the age that I have my first memory of uh, compulsive eating, sneaking, stealing food. Um, I stole a, uh, a candy from the corner store in San Francisco where we lived. And then I took it home and hid in my room to eat it. And I did get caught. My mom caught me eating the candy and she made me take it back to, <laughs> to the, the owner of the store. And I always say that, that um, this, the confession of, uh, of that marks a, it kind of marks a significant turning point in my story because it tells me that at the age of five, I was already doing compulsive overeating, sneaking, stealing behaviors that carried on into the rest of my life. They, um, at that age, I think that was at the time, and even a few years later, my parents really had a stormy marriage. And when they would fight, it was scary to me and I would hide. 
And, and I know that um, at that young age, I, I felt very unstable emotionally. And that's really when my compulsive overeating began. By the time uh, my parents eventually divorced when I was 11, uh, that I was already overweight by the time I was 11. Um, and at that age, I remember feeling different. I remember thinking, why do I like to eat so much? And I still was doing the sneaking and the, and the, the hiding. And then I was actually stealing even more. Like I would steal money from my mother's purse and sneak to buy candy when we would go to the store. And then of course, sneak and hide to eat it. Uh, I would just, you know, whenever we had opportunities, parties, um, you know, weddings, all that stuff. It, to me, it was just always a free for all. I mean, I could eat as much as I wanted, whenever I wanted at those times, because it seemed to be normal. Everybody else was doing it then too. But then in the off times of that, like in the rest of my life, uh, I was I was always looking for ways to eat, and um, and always felt different. I remember in in uh, as, as as early as fifth grade, I refused to wear dresses to school because I didn't want the, the other kids to make fun of my fat legs. And then in high school, I I think that was the uh, during that time was when I started to really feel the pain and the embarrassment and shame of my weight and my eating because I, I kind of just kept to myself. I related more to books and than I did to my, you know, my peers in high school. So I really only had maybe one or two friends at a time all through high school, even though I did a lot of things as part of groups. I, I was in choir and I even played tennis on the tennis team. But I, you know, despite all of that, I always still felt like isolated and I always still felt different. Um, after I, after I graduated from high school, by the time I graduated, I weighed 180 pounds. Um, and by the way, I have to mention my height because I think that makes it maybe a little bit more significant, but um, I'm, I'm four foot 10 inches tall. So at 180 pounds, at four foot 10 inches tall, that's already a, 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 like a class two obesity. Back then, we didn't have those types of classifications, but now I know that that's, that's a class two obesity. Um, going into my 20s, I, um, you know, I just kept going up and down. And actually, I, I didn't really go on any types of diets until I was 19. And then that became the beginning of my series of failed attempts to lose weight. You know, it's really interesting when I think about it. I, I don't think I was really ever looking for a quick fix for my weight loss. I was really actually quite baffled by what, what was going on with me. I mean, I knew I was overweight. I, I knew I had an issue. I knew I wasn't, didn't eat or think about food the way that other people did, but I was really baffled by the whole idea of diets. I, I didn't really understand them. I, and so when one time, you know, when I was 19, the first time someone suggested that I go on a diet, I did. And then I, I lost some weight, but then I gained it all back pretty quickly. Um, so by the time I was about 21, um, here's another picture. This, this is me at 21. And um, during that time, I was kind of floundering between just working um, like blue collar jobs and thinking about going to college. So I didn't go to college right away after high school. Um, and just kind of like, dieting my way into seemingly permanent obesity. I just kept 
trying one diet after another, losing some weight and then gaining it back. Never really actually considered trying to change what I was eating. I just tried to eat less of the same foods. And of course, that, that never worked because later I learned after I came into OA that I had a, an allergy or a you know, physical addiction to a lot of those foods that I was eating and trying to just eat less of them was not the answer. Uh, around that same time, about the age of 21 or 22, a friend of mine suggested, uh, well, actually she asked me if I would like to accompany her to a meeting that she had heard of um, that um, she wanted to go to, and it was for overeating. She thought she had a problem with sugar. And so she asked me to go along with her. When I got to the meeting, or when we got to the meeting, we were, it was at a church. I, I think it was a Friday night or so. And I remember um, going in there feeling like, well, certainly not knowing anything about what was going to happen. but. Um, it seemed funny to me at first when everybody was introducing themselves and then they said, hi, D, really loud to me. And I, I thought that was kind of funny and I, I was feeling just a little out of place. But then the speaker started to share her story and I just started crying. And I cried through the whole rest of the meeting. I had never heard anyone talk so Vulnerable with such vulnerability, such honesty, such raw emotion about the, the things that she felt about herself and about her behavior with food, her weight. Um, I never heard anyone talk about the things that, that I had done with food, you know, eating it out of the trash, going to the fast food and ordering everything off the menu and then eating it all in within a day uh and all the different things that i had done in my life that I, I that i felt so ashamed of and yet so powerless over someone else had done that too and i knew it after that very first meeting that oa was the place for me Unfortunately, after that first meeting, I didn't, like, well, I shouldn't say unfortunately, because there really is no unfortunate about it. Um, I didn't go back after that first meeting for a long time, many years. Um, I always say, and I, by the way, I don't count, count those years that I didn't go back consistently in my 29 years. So I, <laughs> I actually came to my first meeting more than more years ago than that. But um, what happened was uh, oh, the, the seed had been planted. I knew about OA. I knew that there were people that I identified with and that there was hope. And I knew that I could always go back again if I felt me that I needed to. And that is exactly what happened. I, I went to meetings every so often, very sporadically for the next eight years. Um, whenever I felt desperate, whenever I felt that I was going to die from my compulsive overeating and obesity, I would find my way to a meeting, would cry, would sit there, would leave, wouldn't reach out, didn't, didn't go back. You know, there was a long, long periods of time in between. And then in uh, April, I'm sorry, yeah, April of 1992, 
I had an experience where I, I was so out of control with my food. Uh, my, I was so out of control with my life. And I really did seriously feel that I was going to die from my obesity. And it was a scary feeling that I had had many times in my life. And um, but for whatever reason, this one, it, it really like motivated me to go to OA again. And I went into a meeting. It was a Friday morning, April the 3rd, 1992. I got up in front of the meeting and I, I said, my name is Dee. I'm a compulsive eater. I've known it for a very long time. I just don't know what to do about it and I need help. And it was the first time that I had ever asked for help. And I remember thinking to myself, if I leave this meeting without talking to someone or without reaching out in some way, I know I won't come back again. And so I, I made it, you know, I just forced myself to reach out and ask someone for their phone number. And then I went to a meeting the next day and I did the same thing. I asked for someone's phone number and then I went to another meeting the next day. And so that next day was April 5th of 1992. And that's the first day of my abstinence. That day after I left the meeting, I decided I'm not going to overeat today. And I just prayed and turned it over the way that they suggested to do in the meetings in those three days of meetings that I, I heard as much as I was supposed to hear. And then I started reading the book, the big book, and I, I started to learn more about myself and about the disease and and about the solution. And that was when I committed. That was when I was, I always say, I, I have not been perfect in 29 years of this program, but I certainly have been committed. I've kept coming back for those years and I've stayed abstinent all of those years. And, um, and so it was, it, I, I always say that it, it, in a lot of ways, it, it was almost a, um, a, a sudden spiritual experience, but at the same time, it was a slow awakening spiritual experience that I had. But I started to cast aside all of those behaviors that I had, that old compulsive eater self was starting to suddenly be casted aside for new ways of thinking, new ways of behaving, new ways of doing things. And um, I read in the big book, and I really seriously felt this, that I was the, the story, my story was similar to that of a gutter alcoholic and that the transformation of, of someone like that to become sober and stay sober and live a functioning life was exactly what I wanted and was exactly where I needed to start. And so I read this in the big book. I, I had that big book that I, I got on my third meeting and it said right here, if you are as seriously alcoholic as we were, we believe there is no middle of the road solution. We were in a position where life was becoming impossible. And if we had passed into the region from which there is no return through human aid, we had but two alternatives. One was to go on to the bitter end blotting out the consciousness of our intolerable situation as best we could. And the other was to accept spiritual help. This we did because we honestly wanted to. 
and we're willing to make the effort. And so the difference between all the years prior and that day was that I was willing to make the effort. And I knew that I was as seriously compulsive about my eating as everyone else was that I heard in the meetings. And so I, I began my program. Uh, I got a sponsor. My spiritual work started by journaling, getting a sponsor, and um, following a, a plan of eating, one that was not designed by me. Um, actually got a food plan of eating from a friend that I met in OA and then started to follow the guidelines of it. My first, what I consider to be my first surrenders in the program were the surrendering of my food to a scale and measuring cup. I started to weigh and measure my food. I started journaling my feelings around my food and around my eating. And I started to have a lot of feelings around all the rest of my life as my food got cleaner and cleaner. And I started to really get into working in the steps and learning more about myself. And um, I have a fun story that I like to share uh, about um, letting go and grieving with food. And that is, so I started my abstinence in April and by the time the holidays came, I think it was Thanksgiving time, um, it was obviously a new, new experience and a new time for me. I also quit smoking cigarettes a few days before Thanksgiving. So that was another thing that I was surrendering and getting, giving up in my, um, basically in my journey to health. You know, I once I got abstinent, I just really wanted to be healthy, as healthy as I could possibly be. And... So at Thanksgiving, I remember calling my sponsor and saying, well, I'm not gonna be smoking and I won't be eating, so I don't know what else to do. Um, maybe I should just stay home, <laughs> not go to my family. Um, but I did and I, I was okay. But So what I did was I decided, well, I need to do something because I, I, I know I'm gonna be around all this food and I, I'm not gonna be eating most of it, um, but I want to do something symbolic about this. And so I got a like a, a Ziploc bag and I took samples of all the foods that I was no longer eating by my choice, by the way, I do want to make sure that I mention that um, my food plan is my choice. It's the choice choices that I make for myself every day in alignment with what keeps me sane around food. Um, but I took all those other things that I would have normally eaten on any other holiday prior and I put them in this Ziploc bag. And I, I know my family was looking at me strange because they thought, what is she doing putting, taking all that food? Um, they wondered whether I, maybe I was gonna go eat it, but actually I didn't. I, I took it home and then the next day I went out to uh, a place nearby where to I lived where there was a vacant lot and I dug a hole and I had a funeral for the food. And as I put every little piece of thing in there, I, I basically just, it was a, a, another way of surrendering symbolically for me. This, this piece of this represents you know, sugar and flour and all the things that I had given up eating and it just put a closure on it. Um, those things stopped calling to me after that. Um, and even though, you know, I would say that abstinence has been relatively peaceful for me, there are times when it isn't. And, and when, when it isn't, that those are indications to me that I'm still 
a compulsive overeater and that I still need to work on something. So I always, I always like to share with myself and, and the people that I sponsor that when we have thoughts of food or when we're considering um, going off a food plan or going off a commitment that we've made, it doesn't mean anything more than that there's just something out of balance. And it's like a reminder to us that we're not cured. We're, you know, I'm, I'm in recovery and I'm well, and I've had a lot of healing, but I'm not cured. We don't get cured in this program. What we get is arrestment. And we get a promise that if we stay and we show up every day and we work the steps and use the tools that we get a reprieve from that. And so when if I'm not feeling reprieved, then I just, there's just, there's like a tool I'm not using or maybe there's a step that I need to work on. It doesn't mean that there's anything um, bad or wrong about it. Um, I try not to judge things anymore as the way that I used to and just look at it as what is my next step? How do I, you know, I, I pray in step 11 to align myself with what God's will is for me and to get the power to carry it out. That's all, yeah, that's all minutes. it is. Thank you. Day. Thank you so much. So, um, oh, I'm sorry. I forgot to share this one picture also. This was the picture. Uh, this was what I consider to be my top weight picture. This picture was the picture in 1990, actually two years prior to coming to OA. And I believe I probably did weigh somewhere in excess of 210 pounds then. So as I am here today, um, 29 years into the program, I just turned 60 years old in uh, August last month. And um, I've been all over the the place with this program. I, as I said, I started in, in San Jose in 1992. In 1995, literally on my third anniversary of abstinence, I went to my meeting and I picked up my, my coin token for three years. And then I moved to Phoenix, Arizona. Um, I moved to Phoenix because I had a, a couple of um, people that I knew there and wanted to go check it out. <laughs> um, when I got to Phoenix, I, the first thing I did was go to an OA meeting and, and became very involved in service and um, working my program in Phoenix. Um, I've had different sponsors over the years. Um, I had a couple of sponsors when I lived in San Jose, several actually. And then when I got to Phoenix, I went, I, I looked for several sponsors and, and had a few. And then I, I, I believe it was in 1996, um, sponsor that I asked to sponsor me um, has been my sponsor now ever since. So, and we walk this, this path of uh, what we call it, the road of happy destiny. We've been walking it for all these years together. She's got a few more years ahead of me on it. And um, what I have found is that this, this program has the, it has the potential. If we if we show up and if we listen and we let it just sink in, don't fight it. If that, if we allow that to happen, it has the potential to transform an otherwise demoralizing life experience into one of usefulness, happiness, and purpose. 
um, one of my favorite parts in the big book is the, the part about working with others. And uh, what I, I guess what I'd like to end here with is it's in there, it says nothing so ensures immunity from compulsive eating as an intensive work with others. And that it's an experience that you should not miss um, because you get to see a fellowship grow up around you and you get to witness the transformations of others. And this is something that has become the joy and the purpose of my life. And I do it in these rooms and I do it outside of these rooms, but I, I, I do intensive work with others in, in ways that bring me fulfillment and joy. It keeps me coming back. It keeps me abstinent. It keeps me sane and peaceful with food. And in many ways, it has done that for the others that I've worked with. Well, a lot of times they say to, that when you come into the program, to um, find those who have what you want. And I have done that. I, I look for those who have what I want. And then those are the people that I hang out with. Those are the people that have been my friends, that are new friends, friends that I've had for many years in a way. And then even outside of this program, the people who have what I want in other ways, um, I hang out with those people too. So um, they say stick with the winners because the winners are the stickers. <laughs> um, I'm a sticker. I've, I don't plan on going anywhere. And I really am happy to be here tonight. So thank you so much for letting me share. <laughs>